Hey friends, thank you for pressing play and tuning into Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson, and you're invited to join me every week for transparent storytelling about life, love, and business. Get ready to laugh, to feel inspired, and challenged to get out of your comfort zone. We are all adjusting to this world of perfection experts doing it for the gram, when in real life, we're just out here trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Hang on to our adult relationships, find the balance between side hustle and nine to five, and adjust to our new identities in marriage and parenthood. Each episode, I will help you see the growth and possibility in what's next. Are you in position for the next transition? Let's get into the show. Welcome back to Women in Transition with Tia Davidson. I am your host, and today I have a very special guest here with you to, with me today and with you too, by the name of Jessica Ross, who is a certified sex therapist. She has 15 years of service in the fields of human service and specializes in helping people recover and rediscover after trauma. She also helps people to find their sexual power and find confidence in themselves. Now, this month is all about self-care, and guess what, ladies? Sex is a part of self-care. So hopefully we can learn some things today from our sex therapist and new friend, Jessica. Tell us a little about yourself, what you do, and how you define a sex therapist. All right. So as you mentioned, I'm Jessica Ross. I am in Michigan, um, and I am a... uh, therapist by trade, but I I do specialize in conversations about sex and sexuality. And so as a sex therapist, uh, I spend a lot of time talking to people about how to be in their bodies, how to feel with their bodies, how to experience with their body, and and how to make that mind-body connection. And so that's whether you're single, um, whether you're in a couple, whether you're just trying to engage in good self-care, whether you're exploring, or whether you have a history of trauma or disruption to your your sexuality or your your sexual cycle nice so why would someone need a sex therapist because I from my perspective I'm just like you know people who maybe have some trouble in some area maybe like with their significant other or like you said like they've experienced some type of trauma um but not necessarily like if there's none of that going on, do you ever have people come to you because they want to, I don't know, learn some tips or learn, you know, other things outside of like having trouble just in addition to what they already know? So when people always, you know, when people ask me why, I always say, well, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, But part of it is people seek me out, yes, because they have a history of sexual trauma, interpersonal uh, partner violence, um, mm-hmm. a history of distress, a history of childhood abuse. So yeah, I, I get a lot of those calls. Um, and yeah, sometimes issues in a couple, intimacy issues, low sexual desire. But some people want to explore. They never learn how to get to know their body. Mm-hmm. Some people don't know how to name certain parts of their body, what that part of the body is supposed to do. Um, for example, a lot of women come to see me because they've heard of this thing called the clitoris and they don't know what it's supposed to be or how to operate it. Um, one of the most frequent questions I get is, 
I can't orgasm. And typically it's, it's not the case. It's just that women don't know they're orgasming or what that looks like. So some of it is, is you come to see me when you want to have a conversation about sex. Plain nice. and simple. You want to have that kind of type of conversation. Let's talk. Yes, because I still think, do you think sex is still a dirty word? Because I even feel like a way just saying sex in front of people sometimes. And I get th- I get their reaction too. And I sometimes think like, oh my gosh, if I say sex, like somebody's going to think I'm like a freak or something like that. But like sex is like a normal thing. So what do you think, like just in society, in our culture, do you think sex is still like a dirty word? I think we... I think we've come a long way, but the answer for a lot of people is yes. And I think it's also a cultural experience too, mm-hmm. um, in terms of how we interpret interpret the use of the word sex. But yes, people come into my office, no matter how old they are, and they whisper things about sex or sexuality or themselves, and it's just me in the room. So uh, for a lot of people, yeah, it's, it's so much shame built around talking about your body and about how to find pleasure with your body. Um, I say, let's put it in the washing machine, rinse it out and we're all good. But so many people are just stuck in that sense of sex is dirty. Talking yes. about it is dirty. We're not allowed to say it in public, especially if you're a woman. Yes. Right? Absolutely not. Yes. So. Why do you think that is like, what happened? Why, why can't we talk about sex? Well, a lot of it is we are taught to live under a man's view of what uh, life, love, and, and liberty looks like. And so in that, women are taught to be quiet and docile and ladies. And and that goes back forever, right? Yes. So part of women trying to find their power is finding their uh, sexual abilities, increasing their sexual power. And so that, for a lot of men, is intimidating, yeah. right? Because if she knows her body, if she knows what to do with her body, she may not need me to please her body as opposed to seeing it as a compliment. So a lot of people see women having sexual power and liberation as women no longer needing sort of patriarchal society. And and it's not necessarily the case. So yeah, it, it can be intimidating. That makes so much more sense. I didn't even think about that. So the men are shaming us. for being sexual beings because they think that they we wouldn't need them anymore that's hmm. a good reason yeah that's a it. lot of people are taught women yes. are supposed to be quiet yes lady yep freaking the sheets yes exactly so that's hilarious because you know WAP the song WAP by Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion that's very explicit and that is definitely women embracing their sexual beings what did you think about that as a sex therapist all the things that they were saying in the song and (laughs) like what did you think about it me and one of uh, my favorite sex therapists, uh, Valen Alford, who's based in North Carolina, her and I went on social media and did sort of a live conversation about this song because it was so much fun having it come out and having yes. this conversation of what it means to embrace one, what your body is capable of, what yes. you like, what you don't not like. Now, there were some things on that that I was like, okay, I won't do that. <laughs> no, I can't do that just yet. I won't say I won't because in my mind, you might not do something or like something at 20 that you might like at 30 that you might love at 50, right? But it was so wonderful to hear this empowering space of, first off, I 
can talk about sex, even though I'm a woman, I can unleash conversations around sex and not feel ashamed about it. And it's not right. And I can teach other people to take power in ownership of Mm -hmm. your body and what you decide to do with it. So I'm very pro uh, sex positive interactions with self and body, no matter what you choose to do with your body. Yes. So what made you confident enough to even study and become a sex therapist? Like, how did you become so comfortable hearing other people talk about sex? And I don't know, you talking about sex, like, how did how did your journey start with becoming a sex therapist? So it was actually more of um, being presented with an experience where I couldn't be useful and I couldn't be helpful. So I was presented with a uh, a client that had all of these distressing experiences around sex. Mm-hmm. And while I could have a conversation about sex, I realized in that moment that I didn't know how to be helpful. And I also realized that out of every client I had ever seen, I had never asked them, no matter how depressed, dissociative, um, manic, or moose, I had never said, hey, so what's happening in your sex life? You're married, you've been depressed. Um, are, you, are you and your partner fighting? Are you having sex? Are you right self-pleasuring? Any of that. So that was the beginning of, wait a minute, I'm only seeing parts of people and not seeing a whole person because mm-hmm. you're sexual health matters just as much as your mental, emotional, right, physiological. Right. Uh, and then becoming comfortable, part of the program that I attended to get the certification and the training around sex therapy in general is, is pushing you to assess your own sexual attitudes, to assess your own upbringing within uh, sex and relationships, and then to be able to see how you can expand your views if necessary. Uh, and open up to a more diverse understanding of what it means to be a sexual being uh, and what it means to be allowed to go towards uh, sexual freedom and pleasure. Okay. Why do you think people tend to explore different avenues of sexual pleasure in secret? Shame. Shame again. Um, that, that's kind of answer. Uh, nobody says it's okay to be sexual. How many, I mean, you, you've been a child, we've all been children. And so how many of us were told, you know what, well, baby, when you grow up and you find somebody that you want to be with, make sure it's pleasurable, right? Most of us here don't get pregnant, um, right? Don't bring anything home. Don't be a hope. Like we hear all of these messages. Yes. Nobody says, seek pleasure. Make sure things feel good in your body. Uh, and when they do feel good, there's so much shame because somebody else doesn't do it. Yes. And so, right, so it's like, you like that? Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. I remember a big thing when I was younger talking about a lot with my friends was anal sex and just having one friend, she was completely comfortable talking about it. And other people were like, yeah, no, that's not a thing. Um, yeah. that's Disney gross or that's this or that's that. As she's talking about what the process is like, and, you know, growing to the space of all oh, sex is sex. However you decide to be pleasure, as long as you're not harming yourself or somebody else, go mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's built around shame. That's funny because the big thing for me growing up was oral sex. Like, oh, if you did oral sex, you was a hoe. Or <laughs> if you did it, something was wrong with you. And it's funny because I was just having a conversation with my mom about oral sex um, this week, actually. And she, st- she still thinks that's disgusting. She's like... 
why would anybody want to do that? Like people pee down there. Like there's a lot of things going on. Like why would someone want someone to do that, you know, with them? And I'm just like, girl, everybody's doing that now. She's like, I'm aware, but that's disgusting. Like she still thinks that that's disgusting. So what do you think is like, I don't know, what's healthy sex? What does healthy sex look like? And what does unhealthy sex look like? That's a really good question. Um, Healthy sex is sex by choice. It's sex where you have complete autonomy over your body and over your choices, Mm -hmm. where you trust your partner. There's no coercive efforts in trying to be sexual and you can seek pleasure um, openly and without secret. Whereas unhealthy sex is anything that creates harm or, uh, or forces you to distance from your body. Mm-hmm. So one of the most common things that some people don't see as harmful is sex between partners when a partner's making the other one feel guilty, obligation sex. Mm. Uh, back in my day, it was when people said things like, well, if you love me, mm. well, cared about me. But when you get into couples and relationships, it sounds different and it becomes the obligation becomes different when you married or somebody put a ring on it or something like that. Mm-hmm. It is, you're supposed to have sex with me. You haven't had sex with me in X amount of days. Yes. Right? Yes. It's not allowing you to safely seek pleasure or to be in your own sexuality. Sometimes it creates so much pleasure or excuse me, pressure that it creates long-term issues. But the idea of healthy is let's go towards it naturally, openly, if we have an issue where sex isn't happening as frequently as you like, you can talk about it, but not making somebody feel guilty or ashamed that they haven't been as sexual as you would have liked them to be. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, let's talk orgasms because you mentioned orgasms before. So every woman I'm sure that's listening wants to know why is it so hard for us to have them and are there different kinds like you mentioned we don't even know that we are orgasms like I thought it was just one kind like you know the kind that just make you cry the kind that just you know feels so great and it's just like explosive and it's like that's the one that's an orgasm (laughs) oh listen women have this beautiful thing called the clitoris. If I had my little puppet, I would show it to you. Yes. The clitoris is so amazing. And it's right, it's the little uh I'm gonna grab my puppet. Yes, talking. get it, girl. This wonderful thing called the clitoris, right? And this is my beautiful puppet. Nice. Um, so this is what your vulva looks right like. And so this is your clitoral fluid. Some people have a long one. Some people have a short one where their their nice little clitoris is sticking straight out, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you can see it, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's covered up by the labia. Anywho, so this little wonderful thing called the clitoris has eight thousand connections, okay? And so it is designed to do one thing, one thing only, which is to bring you pleasure. Men don't have that. No other. We are the only. Right? It's just us. And so, and that's two times more connections than men have in their penis. So number one, your body is capable of creating pleasure. You were given this nice little button that was designed only to experience pleasure, right? And so that's just the tip of your clitoris. Your clitoris goes all the way through down by your labia. This is actually what it looks like. Oh, wow. Pleasurable experiences can extend beyond that. But the point I'm making here is that 
orgasms can be experienced for people in two different ways, okay? So okay. the first one is the through clitoral stimulation. That can be oral, that can be manual, that can be using a vibrator or a toy, that can be with feathers. I, I don't care how you do it, but right. <laughs> and the other way is through penetrative sex. And technically it's what people call hitting sort of the G spot, um, but it's, it's technically what people say is hitting the other parts of the clitoris. Mm. Um, but those are the two ways you can experience orgasm. Most women, 70% or better of women only can experience uh, clitoral orgasms. Mm. There's about 30% of us who can experience um, intravaginal orgasms. But so the majority of women, they get off through their clitoris. And most women think if they can't have an orgasm with penetration, they're not doing it right. Something's mm -hmm. wrong. Listen, that's not what that was designed for. <laughs> the clitoris was designed for you to come. So use it uh, effectively yes. and teach your partner how to use it if you have one. Learn more about it if you don't um, right. through yourself. And, and some women are anorgasmic. Either they don't know how to get inside of their bodies and come. They might have had nerve damage. Mm -hmm. um, but you can still experience a great deal of pleasure once you decide what that looks like for you. So would you agree that the most effective way to get the clitoris orgasm is oral sex or a vibrator? Like, can, yeah. can you get that with the penis? There Possibly? There are conditions, um, okay. like oral alignment, that will allow you to have a clitoral orgasm okay. while you have penetrative sex. But the reality of it is for most people, they have that through oral or a vibrator or manual stimulation. There are still tons of women who've never actually touched a vibrator and still only use their hands or fingers. There are women who use toothbrushes there. I mean, there's all sorts wow. of things that people use to, you know, have that experience. Toothbrushes. People use patting yeah, and not rubbing. It just kind of depends on what your body likes. So I can't say what's most effective because it depends on who you are as a woman, but if you uh, never use the vibrator and only use your hand, maybe try one. If right. you've not ever had oral sex and you want to know what that's like, see what that's like. The only other thing I would say is absolute. A lot of women are masturbating or having sex kind of dry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes having a nice amount of wetness can really help stimulate the body and the clitoris. Nice. So, so just to be clear, there isn't the one best position to get the ultimate orgasm or ultimate pleasure it just really depends on your body you said and your willingness to try different things basically mm -hmm. absolutely <laughs> how open are you to sexual experiences and pleasure okay okay that makes sense it's like it's it's not like a a one fix for all it's just depends on your body so basically women we have to explore our bodies and know what we want and what we need without the shame without the mm -hmm. shame because mm -hmm. that's what it seems like that's what's preventing us from growing and really you know caring for ourselves and teaching our partners what we want because if we don't know how are we gonna tell them what we want right <laughs> so so what is your advice to the women out there who just had a baby and they're trying to get their sexy back? Because there are a lot of things that go down, go on down there and it's different. So having a, uh, having a child, especially if you're having one um, vaginally, yes. if not, 
can disrupt a, a lot that happens uh, within your vulva, within your vagina. For some women, after having babies, they are anorgasmic or have a hard time reaching orgasm. Um, for others, they have low sex drives. For others, their lubrication is a whole lot less because they're breastfeeding, which can affect how much, how wet you think it. Mm. Uh, so a lot of what, what I explain to women is one, give your body time. After having my, uh, one of my children, it was, I think I was seven months postpartum and I randomly tried to put on my wedding ring and it fit. It took seven months for this oh, thing wow. to fit after, right? So yeah. that's how long my body was still swollen. And mm. so part of that experience is understanding that you really do need to give one, your body time to get back to normal. Your body just went through a trauma. Mm. And so you need to allow your body to get back to, to normal by offering it grace. I don't like the word normal. You need to allow your body to have a natural return. And by doing so, right, you offer grace. And the other part is see what you like now. After having a baby, what, you know, going through the experience of pregnancy, being older, um, your body may like things differently. So now go back to explore, go back to play. Maybe you don't like oral sex as much. Maybe you don't like penetration with uh, fingers anymore as much. Maybe you need much more longer stimulation than before because now your brain is thinking baby, then sex instead of sex part. So, I mean, honestly, take some time and get to know yourself again. That sound sound easy, but... Some women just like, I don't even know where to, where to begin. Like, I don't even have time. That's what I get a lot from um, the people who DM me and a lot of people that's in my Millennial Wise Club community. They're just like, I don't even have time for sex. You know what I'm saying? So I just didn't know if there was like, I don't know, something that they could take, <laughs> some, some natural remedy to help uh, their libido, you know, bring it back up. Cause I do know some women mm-hmm. who just totally lost appetite for sex and that's not healthy for their relationship, you know, with their marriage or their significant other and they're wanting that from them. So, well, and you know what I, I try to help people to understand is sex is a byproduct of mm-hmm. what you more likely than not, you might be experiencing depression. You might be experiencing um, anxiety. You might be experiencing uh, post-traumatic responses, distress. There might be a, other, a lot of other things that you're experiencing. And one of the ways it's showing itself is through low sexual desire. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really is more so about if you're having this experience, find out, am I depressed? Am I mm-hmm. anxious? Am I having postpartum distress? what else might be happening that it's creating issues in other areas because usually it's not just sexual desire it's a combination of things that people are experiencing that's a good point that's a good point something else could be going on mm-hmm. something else could be going on so what about the wives out there that are listening um who want to introduce something new to the bedroom without looking like she learned some new tricks somewhere else <laughs> like we can explore our bodies on our own and things like that but how how does one and especially even the meek like the the wives that aren't comfortable like going to a sex therapist or talking to a friend or doing any of those things because she feels like that's like not a good thing like how does one introduce something new to the bedroom to their husband run their mouth <laughs> to be honest 
you know, so many people forget to talk about sex. Yes. Most of the people that come and see me, I ask, how often do your partner talk about sex? What is your sex agreement? How do you all have conversations about trying new things or exploring on your own masturbation even? And so a lot of people go, we don't have those kind of conversations. We just get in there, we do it, and then yeah. we come out. And maybe, you know, in the moment, we're like, let's try this new thing. But a lot of it is, no, have regular conversations about sex. The same way you talk about putting gas in the car. You know, hey, there are some things I've been thinking about. I watched this show. They did this. I want to try that. Or I noticed I got turned on when you were doing this. Can you do this more? Have conversations. Talk about it. You make it sound so simple, so easy. I like it. <laughs> it can be. I mean, if you get out of your own way a lot of yes. times. Yes. And how do you, do you, um, in your, like, what do you specifically specialize in um, with your patients now? Because I'm, I'm curious to see, like, in my mind, I'm imagining, like, if I'm a, a patient and I'm just like, I'm not comfortable with this, but I'm here because I know I need, you know, something needs to be done because I haven't, you know, been excited about sex. Like, how do you, I don't know, make them more comfortable or, or is that even your job? Like what kind of techniques or tactics do you do to like help people feel more comfortable? Because I, I just feel like there are a lot of women out there just uncomfortable talking to anybody about this, but they're curious. They want to know what mm -hmm. they need to do. It's a full, it's a full process. Uh, building rapport and helping to provide comfort is extremely important. And so literally it starts with the website, the first phone call, um, how they are interacted with from the beginning, whether or not when people are saying what they're concerned about, the person on the call understands. And by the time they walk into my office, my office itself is a pretty calm, calm space. There's aromatherapy that I use. There's, you know, calm colors, there's comfortable furniture. Um, there's options here. And so the beginning part is that they can come, they can sit down, they can relax. There's a lot of safety here. There's a poster of um, a woman, a, a very sexy poster of just a woman being proud of her body. So there's a lot that just sort of embodies comfort around sex and sexuality. And then we just sit and we have a conversation and it's whatever they choose to talk about. So no one comes in my office. Well, I'm not necessarily, never. But typically, you know, the conversation is, well, tell me who you are. What's your name? Where did you grow up? We don't go straight into, okay, so you feel like you want to orgasm. You know, it's more so, how did you get here? You know, yeah. why did you want to come and see me? What do you want to talk about? Um, and usually I spend a good amount of time getting to know people. Mm and then jumping into a conversation. I can't help somebody I don't know. Right, of course. So, all right, this is great information. It's a lot of women just, one, need to get out of their way and embrace, you know, that sex is a thing and that they want it or they need it and find out what exactly they want um, from sex and not to be afraid to talk about it or ask questions or do research. Um, and basically anybody can come see a sex therapist. You don't have to have any trauma or anything like that. It's like, it's kind of like regular therapy, basically. <laughs> it is, it is just, you know, the only difference is there is an opportunity to talk about something, um, a little bit more intimate. And right. Trust me. <laughs> I, you know, everything from, 
I'm talking about people with their about their cycles and 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 what's happening with that endometriosis PCOS sex kink you know it's it's it's, it it runs the gamut and most people once we start having conversations they are not shy about what they want to share because it's a safe (laughs) yes do you do virtual sessions too or is it just in office well, right now with COVID, I do virtual sessions. Virtual can be a bit more challenging, I mean, as is for a lot of things. But for the most part, my practice was 100% in person before. We're 100% virtual currently. Um, and again, it, it still works. We're still able to do a lot with helping people. Coming into the office is just a bit of a bit more safety because no one's worried about who's walking in, who can hear them, if their headphones are working, what am I going to say? So they feel a lot more comfortable being out of their own environment in a, in a different one having that conversation. Okay. So how just, we're, we're about to wrap this thing up, but how can the women out there spice up their sex life today? <laughs> <laughs> today, right now, they listen to the okay. episode. They like, okay, what can I learn from this sex therapist that can spice up my sex life today? try something new (laughs) like that is kind of the basic gist of it you know if you have lube at home and normally you just put lube you know in your vagina or around that area pour it on your clitoris this time and see what that's like pour it on your breast and your body and use it to engage um if you have things like like my little feather here it's just some random in the office you know pick something you have in your house and play with it see what it's like if you have belts in your house you ain't got to get a spanking but see what that leather feels like across your body or your partner's body if you have um other desires like hey we have this this blindfold let's see what that's going to be like use what you have in your home and and play around with it most people only have sex in their bedroom have sex you know at the kitchen table i don't know you know but (laughs) have sex in the on the living room or on the stairs or you know try giving oral sex in the shower just kind of think of some things that you I always tell people give me your top three things that you want to try sexually in the next 30 days mm-hmm. and then go ahead and start chopping down that list so each partner has a list and they take turns oh, I, want nice. to try this. I want to try that so mixing it up is just more so about taking what's in your environment Mm-hmm. Right, so people who don't have a lot of opportunity or, or funds or money, and being creative with what's already there. Nice. That sounds like that can get a little crazy. You say you things around the house. I can only imagine. I mean, and it can, right? <laughs> but the other part is, I can take this can, right, mm-hmm. and put it away. But I can play with it all over your skin. Mm-hmm. I could take, you know, the phone and. I mean again people do all sorts of stuff and I might be being playful trying to start something and I can I can spank you with it yeah. I can take um the lube and I can rub it on your nipples and be playful with it so it's right. it's more like okay how can we have fun you have candles yeah. some people like the candle waxing yeah right? so really just be as creative and safe and as you can and make sure your partner's consenting to whatever it is you do go on a toy store website there's a lot of them out there that are that have safe toys um and and make some choices there in that way too there's a lot of different options okay 
Okay, bonus question. I thought about this when you were talking because um, there are a lot of different myths out there of ways to better, I don't know, have sex or or ways to make your vagina in a better source. I don't know. But one of the, the most recent, we, we all know about the pineapple juice and drinking pineapple juice and staying away from celery and all this stuff. But the most recent thing I've seen and I my mom actually brought to my attention was um olive oil putting olive oil on your vagina have you heard of that yeah olive oil is so some people use olive oil as a lubricant or to stretch and moisturize olive oil coconut oil vitamin E oil so it is something that can be used for some people for lubricant I you know it's an option um, but most people use it to as as moisture and stretch. So as women age, our vaginas age too. And so mm-hmm. part of that is keeping it nice and moist if your body's not producing that anymore. Um, and, you know, just kind of using it within the walls of the vagina. The only thing is that it, it's not good for everybody, especially natural emollients um, are not good for people who have a lot of yeast infections, a lot of UTIs and those kind of things. So, yep, some people, some people use egg whites. Um, white what this should have been the number one question what's the craziest thing that actually works that people should do <laughs> I mean people use all sorts of things you want to be safe check with your doctor you know yeah. if, if you have again if you have bacterial infections UTIs um yeast infections a lot you want to stick towards some of the safer products because yeah. you don't want to increase the frequency but right. people use all um all sorts of things. Some things are actually safer than others, of course. Right, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. I learned some things. All right, y'all. We gotta go around our house. We gotta find some things <laughs> to try and add to our sex life to spice it up. That's mm-hmm. what it sounds like. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for sharing your wisdom and your expertise. Do you have anything you want to share with the audience or tell us where we can find you on social media or what your website is? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I'll say is, listen, sex is healthy. Um, Sex is meant to be a pleasurable experience. So find your power, ladies, and, and embrace the fact that you are a healthy sexual being. Okay. Um, you can always check out my website, www.jessicaljroth.com. A lot of information is there. You can find us on YouTube at JR Counseling, Facebook at JR Counseling, and Instagram at JR Counseling. Tons of sex ed for adults. Videos, tips, tricks. We're coming out with a sexy time playlist. And so we'll be putting that out soon. Um, but yes, I would love to have more conversations. Ask me questions. Let me know content that you'd like to know. and um again just my message is embrace your sexual power yes all right and i'll be sure to share those links in the show notes so that the people can find you and 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 give you feedback on what they want to know and if you have any questions and you're listening to this podcast right now that you have for me or if you have other topics that you like for me to discuss please go to my website at according to tia.com and leave your questions and your topics with love and gems All right, y'all. Well, thanks again, Jessica, for joining us. We'll see you later, guys. Bye. 
Well, all right, friends, that's all I got. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson. I hope you enjoyed the show. For show notes and submission of questions, please visit www.accordingtotia.com. But before you do that, can you do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast? And while you're there, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you're not already following me at According to Tia or at the Millennial Wives Club, you are missing out. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Step out of my comfort zone, I'm not afraid. See, I don't want to block what God has for me. Watching what I feed my mind, good energy. Good energy. And I let go the people that's no good for me.